Will you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? <clears throat> God, we come before your presence, um, asking your spirit to speak to us this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, our God and King. Amen. Good morning, church. I'm so excited to share with you what God has laid uh, on my heart this morning. Uh, this, today's meditation is about the Good Samaritan. This is a familiar story uh, for most of us. Uh, for someone who grew up in the church, uh, we know this story. We've, we've heard sermons about this story uh, or meditations or lessons right from Sunday school onwards. Um, and this uh, uh, story um, is also part of our culture as well. Uh, just the other day, I was reading uh, about a Good Samaritan family um, was uh, was kind of uh, was on in the news. Uh, this family uh, took a delivery driver in Texas who was stranded, complete stranger. And the person who was writing the article said that this family who took that person in um, was a good Samaritan. So we know this story. We are familiar with this story. This is part of our language. It is part of our culture. Uh, the minute someone says good Samaritan, we know. The story, But this morning, I don't want us to rush to the end of the story, but rather, I want us to explore this story together. And as we are exploring this story in different characters, my question that I want to keep posing to you is, where do you find yourself in the story? Uh, that is something uh, that I want to put forth to you over and over again. And so, that's what I would like to you to do. Uh, as we look at this story, I want to ask yourself... Where do I fall in this story? Where do I see myself in this story? So, just in case you all forgot, uh, we have four kids uh, that uh, go to school on Mondays and Thursdays. So this, uh, in January, for the month of January, my kids were in school for two days, and then they ended up in quarantine and were home the rest of the month of January, which was beautiful. And then, in February, it rolled around, and we were like saying, hallelujah, they can go back to school. And they were in school for two days because in February, it either snows on Mondays or Thursdays. Have you noticed that? And there are a lot of holidays on Mondays, the days that it doesn't snow. So, in the whole month of February, today is February 21st, and my kids have been in school for two days. So one of the things that my kids started to do, uh, since they're spending so much time at home, is they have found a way to make their uh, toys uh, travel with them. Uh, they move them from one place to the other, uh, and there are stuff all over the living room. Uh, Legos, Pokemon cards, stuffed animals, you name it, whatever they own shows up on that floor. And so Kristen was done with this, uh, and she came up with a new rule. She said, before tech time, like, you know, there was, there's a period of time before you get on your tech, your TV or your tablets or playing a video game or whatever you want to do, before you do that, you have to pick up all the toys that are scattered all over the house. Right? That's the rule. And my kids love their tech more, that they're willing to do this chore. But here's what I learned when they're asked to do the chore. They want to do the bare minimum. 
I put this card here, so I'm going to pick it up. I'm not going to touch my sister's Lego that's there. That is what they do. They do their best to do just the bare minimum. They don't want to do one iota more than what they need to do in order to get their tech time. They don't care about the fact that there are popcorn kernels all over the kitchen floor that they ate and made a mess, because that's not a toy, right? They don't care about that, <laughs> right? They want to do the bare minimum to get what they want. So this morning, I'm intrigued by the question that this lawyer poses to us um, in the parable. This is what we read in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, that Nicole read to us. Just then a lawyer stood up to Jesus and said, Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? This is Jesus talking, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, you've given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Here the question is not about belief that this guy is asking. It is not, it, he's not asking, what do I believe in, Jesus? No, he's not saying that. But the lawyer wants to know what is the bare minimum that he can do so that he can get life, eternal life. He knows the law. He knows what the scriptures are written. This is not about the belief system but it is about what can I do? How little can I do? Much like my children. How little can I do in order to receive this huge reward? Here our friend who's the teacher of the law or a lawyer, you know, he knows what's written in Leviticus 19.34. Uh, we read, the alien who resides with you shall be to you as a citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. That's Leviticus 19.34. Talks about how we need to deal with strangers. Those who consider themselves aliens. We're supposed to love them. The lawyer knows this. And yet, he wants to do the bare minimum to get eternal life. So the question that I want to pose to us this morning as we journey through this scripture is, where do you find yourself in this story? Are you saying or negotiating with Jesus, what is the least I can do as a Christian? Where do you find yourself in the story? On Ash Wednesday, Pastor Cindy preached from Luke uh, chapter 9 and verse 51, uh, where Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem. And Pastor Cindy talked about what it means for Jesus to be resolute and walk towards Jerusalem, knowing what, uh, what awaits him. And then there was a call for us to be in discipleship, intentional about our discipleship. But I want to focus a little bit on the first aspect of the story uh, from Luke uh, 51. At the time, 951, Luke 951, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him. Go on ahead 
So when, who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And the disciples went to another village. Here, we get a little bit of a glimpse as to how the Jews treated the Samaritans. See, Samaritans are a new group of people, a new race, if you will. See, these were Jews. They had a Jewish um, identity. They worshiped the living God. But when they went into exile, some of them married Gentiles. So they had Jewish ancestry, but they were married to Gentiles, and they had kids, and they slowly moved away from Yahweh, from the living God. And this was not acceptable to the Jews because they felt like they betrayed their God. They betrayed their national identity. Their religious identity was given up, and the Jews looked down on the Gentile, on the Samaritans. You can hear James and John, they were good apostles, good followers. We don't see, they're not like Peter who messes up and says the wrong things. Like, they've never said anything wrong. Now they're saying, let's, the, let's call fire from heaven and burn the whole village down. They did not like Samaritans. The hero in this story is a Samaritan, and he was hated by everyone who was listening to that story. So in the story of the Good Samaritan, right, like have that in the background as we explore the different characters that are there that come out of the story. There, there are four people that we um, can find ourselves in today. One was the guy who was traveling from, Jericho to, uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem was established, was, uh, was on a hill, so you had to come down to go to a different part. And he was coming down on that way, and he was heading towards Jeru uh, Jerusalem to Jericho from Jerusalem. This victim was traveling down and was attacked by robbers. And here, we are introduced to the robber, the Levite and the priest, and the Samaritan. First, the robbers. We sometimes overlook these people and cast them as bad guys. But one of the things that I want you to hear this morning that is clearly the robbers broke the law. The Ten Commandments teaches us, thou shall not steal. You're not supposed to steal. You're not supposed to take what is not yours. This is a moral law. But clearly here the robbers have stolen from this poor soul. <laughs> they have taken away his possession and they've stripped him and they've beaten him and they've left him half dead. Here, for whatever reason, the robbers thought it was justified to act this way. It was justified to act this way. It was criminal what they did. But what they were saying is, your possessions are mine. What is yours is mine, is what the robbers were saying to this victim who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. The next group of people that we encounter in this story are the priest and the Levite. We read in verse 31, Now by a chance a priest was going down the road. When he saw him, he passed on by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on by the other side. 
I almost want to find myself with the Levite and the priest here. They're walking on the same road. They see the victim on the ground, and they walk on by. I wonder, were they worried that there were other robbers still there? That if they would just stop and care for him, that they themselves would have been attacked? Were they, were they concerned about their own safety? See, because the priest and the Levite knew what the lawyer knew. They knew what was in the Old Testament, that we are called to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, that we are called to love our neighbor. They knew that scripture, but yet they walked on by. I think what the priest and the Levite are saying here right now is what is mine is mine. I am fine right now. I am safe right now. I have my own possessions. What is mine is mine and I'll keep walking by and I won't bother with you. I know you're hurt. I know you are hurting and in need of care. But what is mine is mine, and I don't want to be generous with what I have with me. I'm going to keep walking on. Finally, we see the Samaritan who has a different approach, and we hear the words of Jesus. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and he saw him. He was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put on his animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you for whatever more you spend. See, here the Samaritan, who is hated by the Jews, risks everything that he has and cares for another Jew. He would have been in bigger jeopardy or bigger physical harm than others. But he has compassion on him and takes care of him. The Samaritan is moved with compassion here, friends. And he sees it differently than how the Levite and the priest saw. Or the robbers saw. The robber said, what is yours is mine. The Levite and the priest said, what is mine is mine. And here the Samaritan is saying and looking at this victim and saying, what is mine is yours. He looks at the situation in a different light. He bandages his wounds. He pours oil and wine and cares for him. Not only that, he walks along with him, puts him... <laughs> on his animals so that he doesn't, the victim doesn't have to walk. And he takes him to an inn and pays two denarii to care for the victim. See, loving your neighbor means for us to say what is mine is yours. Friends, this morning I want to ask you, where do you find yourself in the story is how I started it. Are you like the lawyer who's negotiating to figure out a way the least that you can do in order to gain eternal life? Do you find yourself as a robber who's saying what is yours is mine? 
or are you the priest or the Levite? They're saying, what is mine is mine. I'm going to keep on walking by. Or are you like the Samaritan? Who's generous and is saying, what is mine is yours. Amen.